Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganesi, here as always with Nima Tavali. What a weekend of Calcio. We have um, such a jam-packed show for you today. Napoli, not as invincible as we thought. Maurizio Sarri shocks his, his former team. Milan's upturn in form comes to an end as they are soundly beaten by an improving Fiorentina. Jose Mourinho wins the Catanaccio derby against Max Allegri thanks to a, a wonder goal from the, the most unlikely player ever. Elsewhere, we have Inter. They got back to winning ways. Atalanta, they slipped up again. And uh, we'll also be previewing Tottenham against Milan in the Champions League and looking ahead to the last 16 of the Europa League and the Conference League. A lot of it Italian um, teams playing in that. Um, for all our first-time listeners, this is our weekly free episode, which we do every Monday, reviewing the weekend Serie A action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content we do throughout the week, including our weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday, where we answer all the questions sent in from our patrons, plus our weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction, and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month plus VAT. And for all of you listening on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, we'd greatly appreciate a, a five-star rating and a follow or subscription as this really helps uh, to uh, to spread the gospel of Serie A and Italian football. Okay, let's get straight into it. Right, three three massive games um, this weekend in particular to discuss. We'll start off with the Sunday evening game with, with Roma beating... <coughs> Jose Mourinho is Max Allegri. It was dubbed the, the Catenaccio derby. Two, two coaches who prefer defending to attacking. Um, let's start discussing this first from the Roma point of view. 1-0 win for, for Roma. The most unlikely of scorers ever. Uh, Mancini scoring the goal. Uh, Gianluca Mancini with a long-range strike. Um, from the Roma point of view, what are your takeaways, Nima, from this game? I was incredibly impressed by uh, Roma Roma's um, discipline that they showed, that Gianluca Mancini for once showed um, uh, the, the 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 how compact they were, how united they were, how disciplined they were, how well prepared and well organized they were, um, cohesive, um, all the things that we didn't see. Uh, the, against Cremonese and, and all the other stuff that kind of where they where they let their Roman hot heads get the best of them, none of that was there. Um, they were a typical disciplined vintage Mourinho team, um, and their backs were a little bit against the wall. They knew they had to win this in order to stay in the top four race, um, and that's exactly what they did. And defensively, they were excellent. Uh, I was. Um, I mean, the, the Smalling, Ibanez, Mancini, all of them faultless. Didn't didn't put a foot wrong throughout. Um, but no, it was they they did really really well. Uh, and also in in midfield, I was impressed. Um, I, I thought I really really it was important for Mourinho to get this kind of a performance uh, and result from the team to show that you know yes there are issues with consistency, but that against the top teams. You know, let's you know, let's review the top teams. They've they've he's done really really well. 
draw against Milan, beat Inter, draw against Juve, now beat um, now beat Juve. Uh, Napoli is the only team that you know they lost, but they did well against them. Um, so no, it's uh, it's it was it was it was really 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 good uh, for for Mourinho for 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 Roma after a very difficult week. Uh, there's been lots of arguing and fighting and and drama after what happened last week when he went up against the fourth official for saying you know for whatever 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 he said and 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 the red card and and and, and the arguing and all that. So no, I, I was really impressed. I was really impressed, but. Also, we have to give shout out to Rui Patricio, who's we've everyone has criticised and quite rightly so. But he was that that save on Rabiot was <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, he's been the worst goalkeeper in Serie A this season. Statistically, it's provable that he's been the worst goalkeeper in Serie A. Um, but he, yeah, that was a that was a world class save. Yeah, I thought he also made a really good save from Di Maria's long shot, which was a which wasn't an easy save either. Yeah. Uh, in the set in the second half. Um, and um, he was a bit more of a calming influence in this game. Uh, but yeah, like you, like you said, I think defense was excellent. Um, they only conceded one big chance from open play with the with the Rabio header. I mean, yes, Juventus, you know, they had chances, but they were mainly from set pieces. Um, but from open play, really, yeah, the, the, the back three were were excellent. We've questioned Mancini and Ibanez uh, a lot, but you know, they were they were really really good. Um, Mancini, though, I mean. I don't think anybody uh, would have predicted that he would be the winner, the score, the winner. I mean, once in a lifetime goal, really. Let's be honest. I mean, when does he when does he ever score a goal like that? Uh, when does he ever score? He hasn't scored for for two years. Um, the last time he scored, I think, was in Serie A, was March March twenty twenty one, I think. Um, and it was just a goal out of nowhere. And I think it's one of those goals that it was an amazing goal, but it's one of those goals that. You know, he could hit that a hundred times and probably only once or twice he would score. Uh, it was the first thing that it reminded me of was, was this was a long time ago uh, when I was a young kid, when 25 years ago, when Nigel Winterburn, um, who was a left back for Arsenal, who never scored any goals, um, unleashed an absolute rocket from a similar range against Chelsea to win the game. Uh, Arsenal versus Chelsea, 3-2. Arsenal came from, from behind to win that game. And... Um, he, um, yeah, he, he, again, it was like Winterburn could have hit that a hundred times and you only <laughs> score one, one, one goal. Uh, and um, I still remember the celebration and, and Mancini was, was the same. I mean, you know, Mancini was decisive in this game because he got, mm-hmm. he got Moise Keane sent off. I mean, I didn't like his behaviour before. Um, he seems to have a fetish for pulling, pulling dreadlocks, um, <laughs> Mancini. But, um, but you know, he, I mean, he got him sent off. So, I mean, he was... He, he, he was is such a douche. Like, yeah. I'm, he's, yeah. But he's the kind of player that you want... You, he's like, he's our douchebag. He's our he's bastard, a, yeah. Yeah, he's our, he's our bastard. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's, he's a douchebag, but he's our douchebag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, Matarazzi was that kind of a guy, and Conte yes. was that kind of a guy. And it's like... But but he was... But i got to say, I was so impressed by how disciplined he was. He would usually... Like, he's the, you know, usually he can use his head but he was completely composed no, we had a question focused. on this we had a question we've got a question on this for for tuesday's yeah. q a uh, episode uh, about you know actually should we be giving mancini more credit this season has he mm. been better is it because we see these instant these episodes where he does just just like he's got a screw loose just just does mad things like pulling mm. dreadlocks he's done it two games in a row now um, you know, and, and and all the other stuff that he, that he does, where he just loses his mind, and that distracts from actually his defending this season. Maybe actually has been better than we think. I think 
both yes and no. I think it's it kind of goes together, those things. Yes, I do think he's improved defensively under Mourinho. All of them have. Ibanez has, Mancini has, Smalling has. All of them have. But I also think that uh, he's still a little bit... If, if, if he loses his temper and does something crazy, he can still get himself sent off, especially his elbows. He needs. He has no control over his elbows uh, when he jumps up. He can he can hit you in the face and break your nose uh, with that. And 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 he's he's very unpolished that way. But if he but I do think that he's kind of he's, we've seen less of that in, in the last few months. Yes, and and again, it's it's a, it's if he can get, continue to to do you know via you know make fouls without getting caught like pulling dreadlocks and whatever. Then I mean I that's the dark arts. I mean that's part of the game. It's up to the referees to see that. Um, but and 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 it's it's more this kind of this this kind of crazy stuff that he does. You know the the elbows and the faces and the you know kicking and, and going and you know do, doing crazy stuff that gets him sent off. <clears throat> but but yeah no definitely he ha- he has he has improved. But I, I I I I I'm impressed with his. You know I've always thought. I mean when when Roma played him as a regista. Uh, during, I think it was, um, what's his name? Uh, Paolo, F- F- what's his name? Paolo Fonseca. Yes, when he played him there, for, as, a, as a they had to because they didn't have any midfielders, everyone was injured. That's when I think he was consistently at best at Roma. And and I think he is, uh, uh, you know, I wonder if in a, I don't think he can ever play in a back four. So I think if, if there ever was a system shift where, where Roma moved to a back, back, back four, then, then maybe move him up uh, in, in midfield because I, I do think he has a role to play at Roma. Yes, but how good he can be as a defender, you know, I, I wonder if this if this is it. I don't think he can get much better. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm not personally. I'm not convinced of him as a as a holding midfielder because I'm not sure about his passing. But yeah, I do think he has improved under Mourinho. Spinazzola has definitely improved in the Oof. last few games as well. I thought he was again impressive mm. in this game. He did one vintage run in the second half yeah. where he. Where he slowed the slowed the ball down, slowed the game down, waited for Quadrado to then make the challenge, and then just 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 swept away, swept the ball away from him, and went on his run, um, which was just just exactly the kind of thing that Spinner used to, Spinazzola used to do all the time a couple of years ago. Um, so that is really yeah, it's really positive and it's really lovely to see um, that Spinazzola is starting to become a a player. I'm not going to dare say he's anything like he was two years ago, but he, he he's starting to have a few more of those moments every game now where you think, hmm, he's got that little bit of a spark back now. And, you know, with the with the, the squad, it's Mancini having to name his squad in the next week or two for the Euro 2024 qualifiers. It's a tough one for Mancini. Does he get a does he get an Italy recall now? Uh, it's a difficult one. Italy got a lot of good options down the left, left-hand side, left-back. Um, Spinazzola, I think, is putting himself back into the, the picture uh, again for... for for a potential, yeah, for a potential call-up. Um, but, um, yeah, the only other thing I would say from the Roma point of view, um, as much as, you know, I, we've praised Roma, I've praised Roma, they're defending everything. Ultimately, though, and I'll come on to this when we discuss about Juventus, I do think Roma was still lucky to win this game. I don't think they deserve to win it. Um, I think a, a draw would have definitely been much fairer. Um, I think that Mourinho's choice of Dybala as the lone striker... I mean, I think if if Roma lose this game, he gets criticised for that. I, I'm not sure I like that choice, to be honest. Uh, it gave you Roma no depth at all um, with Pellegrini and Vinaldo behind. I think they just killed Roma offensively and they really they created nothing all game. I mean, they, they, their goal came from 
from out of nowhere. That doesn't mean that Roma didn't play a good game, that they weren't good defensively, they weren't structurally good, that they, they weren't disciplined, all the things that you said. Um, but I just think, you know, offensively, you know, maybe Marino was, would have been happy with the draw. Maybe that's what he was playing for. Maybe he wanted to be tight and maybe he, he thought that, you know, he would Juventus would, would concede at least one and, and that they would be disciplined, defensive enough to be able to do that. So maybe that was his plan all along. But um, I think ultimately, whichever whatever the plan was, I think Roma didn't deserve to win this game um, at all. Um, but yeah, um, it's still a, it's a fantastic win for them. It puts them back in the top four and it's a much much needed win after the, that defeat to, to Cremonese in mm. the, the game before. Absolutely. So, so it's, it was very, very important for them. We have to, we just have to give a shout out to the Roma crowd, man. Like that atmosphere, it was electric. It was absolutely crazy. Packed crowd again, packed capacity crowd. Uh, the atmosphere before, during, after, uh, the, the songs they play. I mean, it's just, it, it, you don't need to be a Roma fan to appreciate that. No, no, for sure. And that's been one of the beautiful things about Roma uh, this last year or so, or under Mourinho, hasn't it? Like how yeah. the crowd is be- is getting packed out now uh, again. And, yeah. you know, this is this is the Serie A that we grew up with. with exactly. This is what I was going to say. Napoli's, Napoli packed, Inter packed, Milan packed, Fiorentina packed. Like week in, week out, Lecce capacity. And Juventus empty. Well, the Deli Alpi was always empty. Well, exactly. So it's, well. it's, it's exactly like Serie A we grew up with. Yeah. <laughs> Juventus yeah. playing half empty stadiums, everyone in capacity. Juventus stadium. playing half empty stadium with the, with the, with the crowd uh, 10 miles away from them. <laughs> exactly. It's literally the, the Serie A we grew up with. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on to Juventus then uh, and uh, discuss this game from the Juventus point of view. Um, would you agree that Juventus were unlucky? To yeah, lose the game? I think so. I mean, when you hit the woodwork, what is it, three times? Um, what, you, you, can't, you can't call that good luck. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you just can't. I didn't think they didn't, des- I didn't think they deserved to lose either. Um, I think it was one of those games where it is just decis- decided by the, by the one goal the tightest of margins and and an in, and a moment of individual brilliance decided it um and and equally as important like we said Rui Patricio saves just as important um on 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 Rabio and and Di Maria and all that uh you know it's 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 just you know it's uh, I, I think they were unlucky i i mean the, i i felt that Juve were in control of this game for most of the, like, it just didn't, I didn't feel like oh, for you, sure. you, Juve were shaken by Roma or, or, or anything like that. I just felt that Juve were in, like, they were calm. Maybe, you know, Mourinho, you know, did the Italian thing of luring them into a false sense of security. <laughs> um, but no, I, th- I think they, I think they played well, to be honest, Juve. Honestly. Yeah, I thought it was one of their better games um, yeah. in terms of control of the game. You know how critical I am and how I want Juventus to control the game. I want them to be the bosses on the pitch. I don't want them to 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 to, to go there and allow the opposition to be the bosses and just play counter attacking. Well, Juventus controlled this game. Uh, they had they had fifty nine percent, almost sixty percent possession. They had fourteen shots to six. Okay, many of those shots were not that threatening, but it still shows that Juventus were the bosses. They were the ones taking the game to Roma. They were the ones with the territorial uh, dominance. They had six corners to two, and they hit the woodwork three times, like we said. Uh, and like I said before, Roma barely created a single chance. Can you name a single chance? The only half chance that I can think of, and uh, you can't call Mancini's goal a chance. That's a, that's just a, a fantastic shot. Okay, they could have closed him down, maybe, but 
you see Mancini taking a shot from 30 yards. I don't think you expect, oh gosh, I need to get out there and 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 throw three men in, in, in line of the ball because, you know, this is a good long range shoot. I mean, you don't expect Mancini to score from 30 yards out. Um, the only chance I can think of that Roma had half chance was Smalling at the back post at 1-0. Where where they they put across the back post and Chesney miss miss mistimed the flight and and but that was from a very tight angle. I can't think of another chance, even half chance that Roma had in the game. You know, so you know, I thought Juventus were 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 were, were in control. Um, at the same time, though, you know, if I want to be critical from a from a technical point of view and make, let's say an ideological point of view, you know, my my view, the idea, my my ideology when it comes to Allegri is. Two things. First of all, Juventus don't create enough, still don't create enough from open play. Um, you know, two of the, they hit the woodwork three times, but two of them came off set pieces. Um, so they 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 own. Let's say only. I know it's a big game. You're not expecting to start to create chance after chance after chance in a big game, but you know they created the one big chance from open play, the, the Rabio header, um, which was a fantastic save from from Rui Patricio. But that came off a cross, uh, and this is this is the problem. Um, that I have, and this was this was you know what I said on Thursday when I was when I was jokingly saying that uh, after the Torino game, after the Turin derby, that Juventus played Brexit football. That all four <laughs> of their goals in that game were, were set pieces and and cross were from set pieces and crosses, and that kind of sums up I think Juventus's problem is that they only create chances from set pieces and crosses. It's never a passing move. It's never opening up the opposition with one twos or patterns of play or a through ball or a chance through the middle, you know, uh, you know, a cut back where you get to the byline and then cut it back into the area. You know, that's the football that generally creates the high quality chances. Uh, and you know, with Juventus, it's it's just crosses and set pieces, or it's a you know, it's a moment of individual brilliance, um, which isn't through you know team coaching or anything. You know, like Di Maria, for example, against Nantes, that amazing curling effort into the top mm. corner. You know, you can't coach, you don't coach that. That's just a moment of individual brilliance. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think this is why Juventus struggle, you know, have generally struggled over since Allegri's return. They struggle to create and score goals despite having, and let's be honest, now they have them all back. They have such an array of attacking talent. When you've got Di Maria, Chiesa, Vlaovic, who we have a segment on Vlaovic, so we'll come to him and his struggles. Um, you know, you should be you should be creating more chances in open play uh, and Juventus don't, they don't create enough from open play and that, and and that's a you know that's a maybe this is the wrong game to highlight that in but I think it's still yeah. a it's still a general point to be made in that Juventus's chances they come from crosses and set pieces uh, and that needs to you know that, that's a problem <clears throat> that's a big problem for me yeah. um, the other thing uh, the other thing that I, you know that I would be critical of Allegri is you know this three five one formation he just needs to ditch it. He just needs to ditch it. It's too defensive. It's too conservative. And Juventus just don't get enough bodies forward. They can't get enough. They don't have enough attackers on the pitch. And that's, again, that's going to be a problem in scoring goals. You know, they leave Vlaovic isolated. Again, we'll come on to Vlaovic in a bit and we'll talk about that. But in my opinion, for all the praise that, that I've given Roma, that we've given Roma, I really think that they were there for the taking in this game in a sense that because Mourinho played the Debala as a false nine, he completely handed the attack initi- initiative the keys to Juventus to take control of this game, which they did, but they never did it in a way that they were, you know, launching way. I wanted them to just attack Roma, attack, 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 launch away. But when you've got playing a 3-5-1-1 and you've only got Vlaovic supported by Di Maria, who's kind of floating around anyway, 
I mean, it's very, very difficult to put Roma under really intense pressure minute after minute when you've only got one forward who's in horrible form and and Di Maria. It's very, very difficult. And, you know, he didn't change. He changed to, he put three up front on the hour mark um, when they were losing. Brought Chiesa on for Fagioli. Pogba came on. And he didn't come on to the 77th minute. I mean, okay, he wants to, probably with Pogba, he wants to be a little bit careful with him, so I can kind of let Who that can off. blame him? But, I mean, <laughs> but the point is, that, you know, I just want him to be more attentive. I want him to really have a go. I don't think, I don't I think they were still playing with, with you know, with the handbrake slightly on uh, in this game. And I think that Mourinho handed him the initiative to, 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 to I think the know, counter-argument to that is that, well, Roma are in a well position to counter-attack. If you're going to push them too hard and leave spaces in from behind, I think they would have... With who, though? They didn't have any, well, any pace. Well, I'm rolling down the left, I think, with with um, you know, with Vinaldum filling up from deep. I mean, I think you have to... It was a tactical battle between those two, and it was very interesting to watch. Um, but I, I wouldn't... I understand why he did, why he played the way he did this game. As for, as for Allegri, 3-5-2 or 3-5-1-1... Look, when you have Kostic and Bremer, you have to play a 3-5-2. It's that simple. Kostic cannot play as a fullback or a wing back or a winger. He's not. He's he's a wing back and he does really, really well there. And Bremer is Juventus' best defender centrally in a back three. So, you know, I, I, I just that's just how it is. That's how the, the the team has been built and team has been designed. If you want to change that, well then you've got to get rid of Kostic primarily. Because I think you lose him completely as a fullback, and he's not a winger, so I I don't you know I, at least that's what I think. I'm just off the top of my head, but a three five. I think if two, you're making a choice though between playing, I mean, even if we accept that Kostic can't play as a left back, and I have my doubts as well to be to be to agree with you, um, but I mean, if you're making a choice between playing a a, a a wing a wing back system in order to play Kostic or having a front three of of Chiesa. Uh, Di Maria and Vlaovic. I mean, I'm we'll going for the, I'm, I'm three, going for the. I'm going for the front three. No, no, every... three four three would work, but a back four. I mean, I just think you can't abandon. Okay, okay. Well, 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 yeah. Okay, maybe you found the solution there, but yeah. absolutely don't play a three five one one. No, I three mean, five one one is a bit. I mean, if you're playing, I don't know, if you're playing Man City, maybe in one game, but three yeah. five one one, I think, is a little bit too. I, in this, I, I, in I this game, this was the perfect game to to, to really throw, throw it at Roma because I, I I don't I didn't see any counter attacking threat at all, and we saw that in the game anyway um, but you know where's the counter-attacking threat Dybala's slow Bynaldum is old and slow Pellegrini's mm. slow and in horrible out form where's it going to come from what Spinazzola maybe a little bit uh, mm. where else <laughs> there's no one else there, mm. there's going to be no threat on the break and Bremer's the fastest player in the league so you're, you're okay anyway on the mm. counter-attack so I mean I think he just he needed to throw more caution to the wind uh, in this yeah. game uh, I, no, I, I honestly think that Juve if Di Maria stays 3-4-3 is the way forward because Chiesa, uh, Chiesa, Di Maria, Vlaovic is an interesting trident. And I think um, given how, uh, and given that he has the three back three that he has, I think he can play a bit further up the pitch and press higher up. I really think so. It's very, I mean, attack- it's very attacking. It's going from one extreme to the other. Yeah, but really. I think you can do that with the play- if you have those players that you have, and if you have a cohesive press and you balance in the team, then I think you can do that. Uh, but then, but the problem is that Allegri doesn't really want to press high up. Um, he doesn't want yeah. to play like that, and I can get that too. But I, I feel that if I mean if Maurizio Sarri, and we're going to get to Lazio and Sarri because I think he's been they. I mean, they were talking surprises of the season, not based on what they've done, but in terms of 
redefining himself. If Sarri can redefine himself and become the pragmatic ideologue, well, so can Allegri. And I think, above all, his Juventus record since he took out returned in big games is, is pathetic. I mean, the, the what is it? Four? What is it? Four wins? Twenty six games? I mean, what are we talking here? It's absolutely unacceptable. No, no it's, it's, it's abysmal. It's embarrassing. That is, He's paid that's, nine, that, million, that paid is nine not, million a year. No, no, exactly. Million. Like that is like that is unacceptable. His record against big teams is unacceptable, um, and that's something he has to shoulder. Uh, it's as simple as that. Now, this is this is not this has got nothing to do with everything going on off off the pitch, because I think the results fifty points would put them second. That's acceptable, but everything else, but but the, the record against the big teams is just not good enough. It really isn't. No, really, really isn't. and this is why you know I said when everyone was everyone again they make the same mistake every single time they go on a little run of wins and everybody gets excited <laughs> and says I told you so about Allegri and I say the same thing every time people still don't bloody learn. It does my oh, it drives me crazy. I said it again last week. They won four games in a row. Everyone's going on about, oh, they're going to get top four. Oh, Allegri, see. Yeah, blah, blah. I said, wait until Juventus play a bigger team. Then we'll see. Because Juventus had a tough run. They had, they still do have a very tough run coming yeah, up. Yeah, they, right they do. And, no, they really any do. Any chance of a top four miracle for Juventus, they, it was, was, well, it's over now. They're 12 points off top four, you know, and an inferior head-to-head with 13 games to go and with so many big teams to play. Inter away, Lazio away, Napoli Napoli at home coming in the next six games and they've still got Atalanta away, Milan at home. I mean, very, very tough fixtures coming up, plus Europe as well. You know, it's not going to happen. They need, if they'd have won this game, they might have had a, you know, a little bit of a hope. Just, just, just on the head-to-head thing, that's no longer relevant in the Serie A. Like they don't, unfortunately, they removed. No, no, I just want to say that because I, I did the same mistake on the pod as well a few weeks ago. I said. Which is why I copied it. <laughs> Which yeah. is why I said the same thing. No, I know. No, no, yeah. I know. I just, I, I double-checked that. And, so what and happens now? Isn't that just for the championship though? Isn't that just for the Scudetto? What happens if it's No, I, I, they don't do the inferior. I mean, I, I think they just go off of goal difference now. Uh, if that, it's if it's not, I mean, if it doesn't mean anything, yeah. like if it's for the like a decisive position, they'll probably have a player. I know it's that for the Scudetto, but yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't sure lower down. Yeah, okay. no, I, I I don't think. Uh, no, from what I understood, is that they're gonna they're 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 gonna if if it's like either way, it doesn't matter yeah, anyway. They're not gonna yeah. they're not gonna they're not gonna get it unless they get their points back. They get their fifteen. They need their fifteen points back if that's gonna happen. But yeah, but basically, what I was saying is stop getting carried away. You know, because they've got hard games coming up. And their record against the big teams has been absolutely abysmal under Allegri. Mm. Um, no, it's so, been really bad. You know, really so bad. and then this was a, this, and they didn't play bad, but again, they no. couldn't get the, they didn't get the job done. They couldn't no. get the job, but they couldn't win. Uh, I think they will get. I think the the, the, the they will get their, those fifteen points back. But the question is, how much pun and punishment will they get for the other stuff? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. But we have to talk about Moise Ken or Keen. Yeah. Um, it just it, to me what he did was i remember when totti in 2010 coppa italia final for no reason did kicked balotelli like lost his head and kicked balotelli from behind that's what that, that immediately i thought of that at the same stadium it was the same kind of meltdown and just losing your head and and what what was he thinking he was going to do the difference of course was that totti played the entire game this was what 45 seconds 29 seconds you know, grand opening, grand closing. It was crazy. It was <laughs> absolutely crazy. Um, and 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 he he needs to sort himself out. That is that that is unacceptable. Well, yeah, yeah because there was seven. They got, I think they got was it six or seven minutes of stoppage time that was there was there was the board that was put up on the board. Yeah, plenty of time for Juventus to rescue that game. It was all them. You know, they were 
and they still had a chance at the end with Danilo as well. But yeah, he was that that killed them. That absolutely killed them. And uh, I mean, how many seconds was it? Was it forty five seconds or thirty to thirty eight? I don't I mean, think he'd even touch the ball. No, I don't it's think he'd just even touch the ball. Yeah, first that is just the, first involvement in the game. I mean, no, it, that yeah, is unacceptable. It's, it's idiotic. I mean, don't get me wrong. We all want to, we all want to do that to Manchester, <laughs> but, but you know. Is uh, I've mentioned no, you obviously you hassling him and pulling his dreadlocks, I think, again and, and all that, but yeah, yeah, but you can't do that, you can't lose your brains like that, like you no. cannot lose your head like that. It's just you ruin it for your own team. And I, I, there was a there was a shot immediately with, with Allegri's face when yeah. he did that, and he just it said it all. Yeah, it's just you, that, he did that the hand so signal, bad. didn't he? Like, what the, what the f- are you doing? <laughs> yeah, which you understand. Can you blame him? I mean, it was it was so dumb. Yeah. Now it was, it was it's, it's inexcusable, and you let your teammates down when you do that. And mm. Ken needs to, you know, he, you know, he has a, he needs to start growing up um, and start showing in many ways as a, yeah. as a person and as a, <laughs> as yeah. a footballer as well. No, he really does because I do think there's a player there. I never, I was never excited about him. I never thought he was going to be a national team no, player. No, you know or... what? When Juventus sold him to Everton, I remember saying that, I remember a lot of Juventus fans were all upset because you know like what, what, yeah. you know what football fans, club fans are like whenever you sell a, a young, young player, yeah. player, even if they're absolutely The youth crap. Karens, yeah. I call them. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so even if they're absolutely crap because they're a young player, yeah. Because they're young Italian and grew up in the system automatically, exactly. that makes them. Oh, you can't yeah. sell them, and they're all amazing. You know, I was so happy when they sold him. I thought, yeah. I thought that was great incredible business. Incredible deal, financially. What the hell was going through their minds? They bloody brought him back. I yeah. was like, what are they doing? And mm. anyway, talking of uh, strikers that are struggling um, at Juventus, we have to talk about Dusan Vlaovic um, because this, this is a this is a problem now. This is becoming a, a yeah. big big problem for. For, for Dusan Vlaovic uh, and for for Juventus, and he's been there now for for over a year. He joined in in January 2022 for a fee that will reach 80 million euros, becoming the most expensive winter signing in the history of Zep Serie A. Juventus thought it was something of a coup. He, he rejected Arsenal to join Juve. Um, he was just coming back, coming off the the, the back of scoring the most goals in a calendar year in Serie A mm. for over 60 years of Fiorentina. Yeah. He was posting numbers like Haaland and Lewandowski numbers. I mean, he was, he was, I mean, people, people forget, you know, because when they watch him now, just what an absolute phenomenon and sensation this guy was. You know, this was, people were talking of this guy like potential Ballon d'Or winner, pe- people mm. were saying. Uh, I mean, more than a year on, how do you look at? How do you look? At, uh, look he looks back? so unhappy. I mean, it's just he looks. He does not look like someone who's enjoying his football. He doesn't look like he's in harmony. He doesn't look like he's happy. He looks. It just doesn't give off the the vibe around it is not very comforting and encouraging, um, and. He, we know he wanted to join Juve, and he, he really wanted to join Juve, and that's why he rejected Arsenal. But I wonder, and 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 I and I always thought that Arsenal was not the perfect fit for him, being based on our Arsenal play. I don't think he's that kind of a striker. But I wonder if if he isn't regretting that. I'm sure he is, because Arsenal are playing some of the most interesting and 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 exciting football and and they can actually go on and win the premier league um you know there's that's not an impossibility when you keep winning late and they're doing so without a real number nine and you're thinking well i'm sure vlaovic 
could have adapted somehow, even though he's not. I, I, I think, for example, someone like Alexander Isak or Viktor Osiman is better adapted to the style of football than Arteta plays at Arsenal than Vlaovic is. I, I think he still could do something for them. Mm. Um, but we're looking, we're, we're reviewing that through the prism of of, of Vlaovic now and not yeah. a year ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think he would be regretting it because I think we'd be looking at a very different Vlaovic now. Yeah, if he'd come to Arsenal uh, than than the Vlaovic, who's a complete shell of the player that he was at Fiorentina. Let alone being a, a player that you would think going to a bigger club would become a much better player. Uh, it's yeah. not even that. I mean, he's 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 not only stagnated. He's regressed massively yeah. in everything at Juve, in every single facet of his game. I mean, obviously, the, the, the hard numbers show it in terms of the goals. You can see the, the number of goals that he scored at Juventus uh, compared to the number of goals he scored at Fiorentina. And I mean, his form is horrible. I mean, he's got no goals in, in the last four games. But in nine games this year, in 2023, he's only scored in two of those games. In his last 14 games um, for Juventus, he's only scored in four of those 14 matches. Um, you know, so the, the numbers, the goals show it, but just if, just look at his overall game and, and you really just have to watch him, you know, to, to, to just, to, just to see this. But from a technical and tactical point of view, he doesn't look close to being a top player. I mean, his first touch is, is heavy. To be fair, his, his first touch was always something that probably needed working on at Fiorentina, um, but it hasn't improved. Not only is it not improved, I think it's got worse. Uh, he, he's too static. His movement is poor. Uh, he's always standing with his back to goal all the time. He, he just doesn't, and when the ball comes, he doesn't protect the ball. He doesn't link up well at all. Uh, he struggles kind of bringing others into play. He's not involved in the build-up uh, at all. Um, but he looks slow and heavy-footed over kind of one to two yards. And he's not a slow player. He's got pace. He's quick, you know, but over one to two yards, he just looks very lethargic. He's, he's reading. That's the thing. It he's looks lethargic. Yeah. That's the thing. And, and that to me suggests that, you know, is there something more going on that we don't know about? Um, has well, a we have a groin problem, but we're talking about something, this is something that's happened since he's, since he's joined. You know, it's not something that's happened just since that groin injury. It was, the, it was a groin, wasn't it? Groin injury yeah. that he would have carried into the World Cup. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's everything about him. I mean, just like his re- reading and positioning on crosses. I mean, he's got Kostic, one of the best crossers in the world putting balls in for him. You couldn't ask for a better crosser. You know, but you look he at really him, he's, can't. he's he very really static. Can't. And he's they know really... each other from the Serbian national team as well. So, yeah. yeah. Capello was saying this last night on the on the Calcio Club that, that that he can't doesn't seem to know how to get away from his marker, which is very mm. worrying. Um, he's just gone backwards since joining Juve, his, 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 his overall game. He hasn't improved his weaknesses and his games have regressed. And, you know, that is, you, okay, you could maybe paint some of the blame on the player, but for me, it's on Allegri, you know. No, it is. It's I on Allegri. Is. I mean, I made, the, I made the mistake. I tweeted this last <laughs> night. I made the mistake. I have to put my hands up. People say, some people say, you know, like the Tottenham fans that have a go at me over Kulisevsky. Well, I doubled down on Kulisevsky because I believe that's because I believe in it. <laughs> I still believe in what I said. I made the mistake of predicting with, 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 um, with, with Vlaovic. I made the mistake of predicting that he would soon become a, a world, that he would develop into a world-class player when he's, when, and I made a mistake because, and I will never make that mistake again because I should have never said that when his manager was Allegri because 
Allegri can't develop young attacking players. He can't develop young players. He can. He can. According to him, which I love him for, he said in the pre-match press conference, he was asked specifically this question by a Gazeta de los Sport journalist. And he said, well, actually, I've I've changed since I became a grandfather. Oh, God. (laughs) Let's hope hope that he's not teaching that his grandkid. Let's hope the mother is. I love it. I love (laughs) the way he said it. I mean, the question was so, oh, now you're starting to play young players players now and you you know you you you're playing you know you've you become a young players coach and he says yeah and he's so sarcastic puts mm. his arms you know crosses his arms and goes back and says yeah it's, I, I've, I've changed since i've become a grandfather <laughs> love him just yeah. max. I, I, I just listen, i won't make that mistake again i'm ne- i'm never ever again going to predict that a young player is going to become a big star when his manager is a little <laughs> never ever again because if 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 this can happen to Vlaovic who, who just looked like an absolute phenomenon at Fiorentina people forget it's easy to look through at the Vlaovic now and think well actually maybe he wasn't as good as we thought he was you know no. he was a phenomenon at Fiorentina and now he's like honestly he's like I was joking with my friends he's like watching it's, it's like watching Andy Carroll at times <laughs> The, the Balkan Andy Carroll, Andrea Karolovic. That's what it's. That's, that's what it's like. Andrea Karolovic. That's who. We, that's, that's who. We, that is who's playing up front for, for Juventus at the moment. <laughs> um, but, but but no. But seriously though, I, I think that from 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 Allegri's point of view, I think that the system, which I described already, the three five one one, it doesn't help him. He's isolated. He's only got doesn't have players around him. Uh, he doesn't have enough attacking players. He's not involved. He's not feeling and touching the ball enough. Um, kind of defensive counter-attacking football, a bit like you know, like four four two last season, Look, but even worse. I think you know, I think you're right in what you're saying. That yes, I think Allegri has failed with him, but I also think that it's a. I blame Vlaovic for one thing, and and this is something I've seen with Serbia as well. He needs to learn to play with his back against the goal. Like it's as simple as that. He does not know how to do that. And that is on him. Well, isn't and it on the that coach is, as well? Coach well, of course, that's also, yeah, well. exactly. But I think that's where we are with him. I think that mainly it's that he needs to learn how to play with his back against a goal. And that, and if you're, if you're going to be that kind of a top striker, teams are going to defend deep against you. You're going to, that is an important aspect of your game, learning to play with your back against a goal. And that's where he's struggling with right now. For me, most of it is that. And the fact that he doesn't, that he, he seems to be so become so disappointed and frustrated that that it's it's weighing him down, and that's a mental aspect. I think that is something they need to work. Mm. That's what that's the root of the problem. Now, of course, there's plenty of blame to go around. I think Allegri absolutely has to shoulder some of the blame. Um, and and but so I, does, I think it's just so think it's very difficult, Nima. It's very very difficult for for an attacker to develop young attackers to develop. Um, when they're playing in an Allegri system, when you're playing mm. in a, such a, a counter-attacking system, a three-five-one-one, I mean the Roma game was different. Juventus had the ball, but yeah. in most games they they don't, and they're often counter-attacking. You're getting very few players forward. You know, no patterns of play. Everything just crosses and set pieces. Like we said, this kills attackers. It kills young, creative, and and offensive players. And and you know, they they can't they can't develop um, in the you know in this kind of system. And you know. Look, it's not just Vlaovic. If it was only Vlaovic, we could, we could, you know, we could blame Vlaovic and say this is him. But look at Chiesa. Look at Chiesa. Last season, before his injury, two goals and two assists in fourteen games under Allegri. 
last season before, before his injury. Yeah, that was him coming off being one of the best players at Euro 2020. He got 24 goal contributions the season before under Pirlo, who, who was you know, widely described as a complete clown of a coach. Zero goals in 14 games since since returning the season. Okay, he's been, you know, he's coming off a serious injury, but still no goals in 14 games. Look at Locatelli. You know, a, he's not a, an attacker, but he's a, you know, he's a creative midfielder. One of the best midfielders at Euro 2020, wanted by all the major clubs in Europe, Arsenal and everyone else. He's not scored a goal in over a year. He doesn't have an assist since March 2022. One year with no goals or assists for Locatelli. I mean, that is absolutely damning. And, you know, and this is the issue. Allegri can't develop players, especially young, attacking or creative players. And, you know, Vlaovic declining. Chiesa declining. Locatelli declining. Moretti not improving. Keane, oh, I don't even want to start with Keane. Um, you know, so, some of the youngsters are getting some chances like Fajoli, you know, Illing, Sule. But, you know, will they become top players under Allegri? No. No, they won't. And I think you know, these, players, these players show that. And yeah. I think well, that if I'm, I'm Vlaovic... Yeah, sorry. Just to finish, Nima. If I'm Vlaovic and if I'm Chiesa, I'm, I'm, if, if Allegri, if I'm, I'm asking, is Allegri going to be there the next season? If the answer is yes, I'm saying get me out of there, get me find me a new club because it's terrible for their career. Hmm. The, 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 the performances and stats show it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it doesn't look good that that aspect of it, absolutely. But I think this, this is a very weird season with the World Cup and also the injuries. And I don't know. I, I, I do think that. There is something to be said about, you know, because of the style of football that Allegri plays. He is a little bit old school, but I do think that it's uh, this notion that he they can't he cannot develop young players at all is mm, I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. I don't think that we can say that categorically. I, th- I think we can, we can say that they will they they don't. It's not a natural progression because of the style of football he plays. But to categorically say that none of them yeah, can improve under him, I can I can accept that young defenders. I think Allegri can be good for them, mm. like centre backs anyway. You know, but yeah. not definitely not young, uh, mm. offensive players, creative players for sure. Mm. Not anyway. Enough of uh, Vlaovic and Juventus. Let's move on to Lazio because an absolutely incredible win um, against Napoli. Uh, Napoli looked unstoppable. Eight wins in a row. Twenty-one wins in twenty-four games before this game. Um, five clean sheets in a row, unbeaten at home all season. Mm. Everybody expected oh, another win for, for for Napoli in this game. Lazio without um, Casale in this game as well. Lazio win one nil, and Sari puts on a, a a tactical and defensive masterclass. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. I, I we spoke about this last week as well. This the, 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 this season, this Sarri that we're seeing this season is not the Sarri we saw at Juve. It's not the Sarri we saw at Napoli or Chelsea. This is a different Maurizio Sarri. He's completely. He's become this kind of. He's still the ideologue he's always been. He he still has his movements, the triangles. He he wants to have possession, but he's also adapted to the reality he's in and created a defensive stability and solidity that we've not really seen Lazio ever deliver. Um, Napoli were good this game. I didn't think Napoli were poor. Against you, against the Inter, they were dreadful. And Inter just demolished them and should have won 3-4-0 had they had players up front who could be, you know, be a bit more efficient in front of the net. But 
this wasn't it. Napoli were good. They created chances. They, they, the movement was there. It's just that Lazio were so much better. I mean, especially defensively, especially in the second half when, when Lazio were on the ropes a little bit. They were, Napoli increased the ball tempo. They did what they always do when, when the wingers start centralizing to overload the midfield against teams that, 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 that closed them down. Napoli, Lazio were, were struggling there, but they maintained the composure, the calm, the discipline. And just saw weathered the storm, and then a moment of brilliance from Vecino wins them the game. Uh, I'm so impressed with Maurizio Sarri. Uh, Maurizio Sarri is is throwing his hat in the ring for bigger, better jobs. Uh, if he's going to play like this, if he's going to be, if this is the Sarri that we've seen this season, if this is the new Sarri, the real Sarri, I wouldn't mind him at Inter, even to be honest. Oh, perfectly honest with you, I wouldn't mind him at Inter because. You know, if you can get Pedro, uh, Zaccagni, and Felipe Anderson to play like that up front, I'm sure you can find two cheaper players to play with Lautaro and do something similar. No, it's uh, no, it's it's so 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 impressive. Um, the way that he, you know, Cataldi, he he didn't play Cataldi. He played Vecino as a regista, the same Vecino as a regista that Simone Inzaghi played away last season against Torino, and it looked absolutely awful. But Sari made it work. And Vecino scores the winner. Now it's this is this is this is Sarri's redemption year. It's it's the year of redemption for coaches that have been disrespected, from Spalletti mm-hmm. to Sarri, and 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 this season and 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 what they've done this season, Sarri defensively. I mean, we have to talk about that those saves by Providel as well. Sweet Jesus! Well, it was it was one save, wasn't it? I mean, that's that's what was so impressive about about Lazio's performance. I mean, Napoli created one big moment all game: the the Osimhen header against the bar, and then Kim Kim Min Jae followed up with, and it was a fantastic save from from Provadel. That's it. That's all they had. Zielinski had a half chance at nil nil where he kind of screwed it wide. Otherwise, Napoli Napoli created nothing called game, and they never really ever looked like creating. They never really got into positions where they were close to creating. They didn't get into positions where you say, right, you know, they just messed up that final pass, and that would have been a big chance. They didn't even get into those kind of positions. You know, it was positionally, and in terms of kind of like the positions and the spaces that the Lazio Lazio players found themselves in, Napoli couldn't find any spaces to play at all. It was like watching a great Italian defensive mm. display of the past. You know, it was like, and we discussed this last week, didn't we, about how kind of the art of defence is, is, is completely gone and how modern football, modern rules have made it just so, so difficult to, 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 to do that. You know, but it, this wasn't like, this wasn't 10 men in the six-yard box. No, 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 no. no. They you know, ran. They, this, that, that's the thing that impressed me the most was to get the players to sacrifice themselves as much as they did. They they defended by blocking out passing lanes, and you can only do yeah. that by through being smart. Through, through being, being smart, yeah. meaning having it your head putting, having your head turned on, but also running. God did Lazio well, you run. have a look at the, look have a look at the distance covered in this game, and Lazio completely outrun Napoli, which unbelievable. Is very, very rare. Um, you know, Napoli they weren't Lazio. They weren't holding on. You know, they had a line of a block of four and five, but they were like you said, they were cutting everything off. Yeah, cutting off the passing lanes. It was just, it was a perfectly executed game plan. And it felt, honestly, uh, uh, you know, I was, uh, uh, I, was, I was watching this game with a Napoli fan and I was saying, it felt like Nazio had 22 men on the pitch. That's what it mm. felt like. But it didn't feel like they had 22 men in the penalty area. No. It was no, like no. they had 11 men in the penalty area and 11 men in the midfield. It was like everywhere that, La- that Napoli moved, everywhere that Napoli moved the ball, La- La- uh, Lazio had 
full of numbers everywhere. So they moved it into the midfield. Lazio had the midfield packed and cut off. They moved it out wide. It was, you know, there was nowhere to go. There was no spaces. You know, I, I was looking all the time. Where can they put the ball? Where can, can they spread it? Can, there was nowhere, nowhere for them to go. They, there was just no answer. Um, you know, so without reviewing this game back and really looking at how they did it, it just watching it live, it was incredibly impressive. Uh, now, to me, to me, look, it really was. And and to me, this this is something that, you know, I've, I've spoke, we've spoken about this. I've, I've said it the last couple of weeks on the past couple of episodes about Sarri the pra- becoming this kind of pragmatic ideologue. And I think when you hit it like that, that if you get that perfect balance, then you are ready for bigger and better things. You are ready for a top club. Um, and and this is, uh, and, and with all due respect to Lazio, I mean a team that plays in the Champions League every year and wants to even have ambitions to go to the latter stages of the Champions League to win the Serie A. I don't think Lazio are going to win the Serie A anytime soon, uh, mm-hmm. nor do they have the ambitions to. But, uh, at least realistically. But no, I think this gonna... game showed that Sarri, what a top coach Sarri is. He is. It, it proved it. And for all those that still no, like... This season, it's, but it's been like this all season, is my point. It's, this is a new Sarri. This is, he's, he's taken it up a notch. And yeah. I wonder how much longer he stays at Lazio. He's become more a complete coach. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. He, they outthought, and they outran Napoli, but they outthought Napoli yeah. Um, yeah. as well. And they're def- again, the defensive record, we spoke about it last week, you know, this is why Lazio have the second best defence in Serie A. And it's why they have eight clean sheets in the last 12 games. And that is really impressive. Not enough people are talking about that. And they did this without Casale in this game. And they had it with Patrick, Patrick playing, who everybody yeah. likes to, like to mock. I mean, the only the only thing I would say, if, you know, just, just to be fair, I think Patrick... Could maybe should have been sent off early in the early in the second half when he when with the with the the foul the elbow on on Ossiman. but you know I think they deserved the luck and 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 Lazio had the biggest chance of the game at nil nil anyway. Di Lorenzo cleared off the line from from Vicino and Vicino again with another another big game goal. I mean he always seems to score big games, doesn't he? Vicino did it for Inter, didn't he? A lot of, yeah, a lot of big games. yeah. He was he was he was a, was very important. He scores big, you know, against Lazio at the Olimpico to get back to the Champions League. The winning goal against Spurs in the Champions League mm. uh, that following season on the return, and you know, hitting you know against Empoli that season uh, to finish another to clinch a top four position. He's the one who comes on, hits the post, and Nayangolan scores on the rebound. No, he he does have that. Ability. And that was another inspired decision from Sari starting Vecino. Yeah, but, that, but that's exactly and and to play him as a regista. <laughs> in front yeah. of the defense, almost, yeah. because he wanted someone who runs. Who hasn't ran really there. his role hasn't really been his particularly his role, is it? No, he was. I mean, I remember when when uh, Simon Inzaghi played him, like I said, against Torino last yeah. year, and he was unwatchable, and, and Inzaghi was was destroyed for it. Yeah, quite rightly so. But some ends of it, I thought the fullbacks were really good. Um, but this well. is the thing, like with with the, the, the I just want to like that goal by Vecino. Go and look at the technique oh, with which wow. he hits yeah. that ball. Amazing. That is that's yeah. that is incredibly impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a difficult ball to hit, and he hits it. The technique that he uses to hit it, and 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 to you know downwards and his body and and, and the full pendulum. Now it was it was a beautiful. Football that is one ball. of the, that. Let me tell you, that is one of the hardest skills. In yeah. to hit to hit the ball on the half volley as yeah. it's, as it's hitting the ball, but but on the rise. One of the hardest skills in football. It really is. It is. No, technically, we know he's a decent. Like we know that he's got technique, but yeah. the problem in his career has always been that he, he's not. His performances are are dipping, and the low the lows 
are are very low. Mm. The highs are high, but the lows are very low, and that's that's yeah. kind of what killed them at Inter, and also the yeah. injuries. There were some really good individual displays again in defence. Romagnoli again is the. That's author. another thing I wanted to talk about. Romagnoli's not a quick player. He's never no. been fast. But Sarri's found the perfect balance defensively to not be too low or too high up. Yeah. And Romagnoli's becoming this kind of player that looks like he he's almost he should start for the national team almost. Like it's crazy what what's out of the work that Sarri's done and, and, and this season throughout. And wow. we know that they can attack. I mean, we don't need to like I mean, you know, we know how good Sarri's foot teams play attacking football. But it's this other stuff that is that he's shown this season that just blows my mind. No, for sure, for sure. Uh, I thought the fullbacks were great. I've said it before. Marisic is the most underrated player in Serie A. He Such really a is. loyal team player, he's, isn't he's, he? He's no one ever ever talks about this guy. He's just seen as just an ordinary, mm. average Joe player. But I mean, I try to think of games. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some Lazio fans who are probably screaming and, and maybe saying some obvious. Whenever I watch Lazio play, I never see him getting done. I mean, I know he doesn't. Not saying he does much going the other way, but. Defensively, I, he's, I never see him getting done. And, and like, the job he did against Kvara Scalia, again, I mean, Kvara did very little. I, I think he got away a couple of times later on. But apart from that, I thought he marshaled him really well. I thought Hisai as well did really well. Provadel was a calming presence. Um, you know, it was a really, really good performance from the defenders. Uh, and, you know, Lazio, their top four chances now, they're in the top four. The confidence this will give them for the top four. And again, talking about Juventus having a terrible record in the big games, well, Lazio's big game record this season. They've beaten all of the seven sisters apart from Juventus <laughs> this season. Uh, Lazio. So I mean, you can't argue. You can't argue with that. Again, is another reason why you can't rule them out for the top four. They're no, right. you can't. And it's and I'm and I'm I'm worried for Inter and Milan with Lazio and Roma winning. Like one of them, this is tightening up um, like hell. And Lazio winning that and Roma winning that. That this will this throws a wrench into the into the mix and mm. Inter and Inter and Milan need to look out. Yeah. They yes, there is the Inter no... and Milan fans that I know weren't happy about Roma and uh, Lazio. Well, of course not. This weekend, of course not. Because I mean, think about it. You know, Inter have okay Spezia away, then Porto, then Juve at home, Fiorentina at home after the international break, then Juve in the first leg of the Coppa Italia, then Salernitana, uh, Monza, and Empoli. A home, home for Monza, away against Salernitana, away against Empoli, who they lo- Inter lost to at home. Look, they, there's no room for error here. No. And then they go, then they have their tough, you know, moments in 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 the Serie A with uh, Lazio, Roma, Lazio at home, Roma away, Atalanta at home, Napoli away. There is no room for error for Inter here to mess up. And Milan, same thing there. No room for error. These for sure. two wins will 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 ch- change the the race, the complexion of the race completely. No, for sure. Um, just just on Napoli, very very quickly, I won't go into to it too much. I thought that I thought that they were a little bit lethargic from an energy yeah. point of view. They looked like they were lacking yeah. energy. They, the intensity and pressing wasn't, wasn't there. there as usual. They run miles less than than Lazio. So that's, that, 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 that's, that's, that's the key. That's the key. That's I find that I found it strange though because I mean Lazio played on Monday and Lazio had and. Um, Napoli had two days had two extra days rest. Had extra rest. Um, so I do I do I did find that strange. I just thought that they looked from a physical point of view they didn't look on it. Uh, and I thought from an individual point of view, you know, no one stood out for Napoli. Maybe Kim. I thought Kim was very very good. He gobbled up Immobile uh, uh, in the game. Although it wasn't easy for Immobile, he was he was isolated. But yeah, like I said, they couldn't find the spaces. Um, the wings, Lozano and Cavara got nothing out of the fullbacks. 
Uh, I would maybe have a little criticism of Spalletti, which is rare. Uh, he was he didn't have any answers for Surrey, but I think the substitutes he took too long to, to take mm. substitute. It was a bit of an Antonio Conte like substitution display from Spalletti. Wait till seventy minutes yeah. before he made any subs, and it was clear at that stage that Napoli weren't creating anything. They weren't threatening. They weren't finding the answers. He needed to change it up. He waited till the seventieth minute before making any subs. I think he needed to to mix it up earlier than that, and that's unlike Spalletti. He doesn't usually do that when things aren't working. He usually he's not shy. To make changes, mm. uh, maybe he just didn't have the answer. And to be honest, I didn't. No. Either. I still don't no. know what I would have done differently because that, you know, no, that. I, I think I don't think this was a tactical approach. I think this was a the end. The, there was no gas in the tank that day. They just seemed unable. Like like again, the, the key for me was how they got outran by Lazio. The, if they wanted to beat this Lazio, they had to run as much and be as intensive enough and and crisp passing and movement. They just weren't there that day. Uh, let's not create drama here. They're 15 points clear. Um, they have Atalanta, and then they have two home games now with Atalanta and Eintracht Frankfurt, and then Torino away, which is going to be a tough one. Uh, I, I look. I expect them to be to to turn up against Atalanta at home um, this That's weekend. Be more open. They're not. They're not going to yeah. play a disciplined. Uh, Game well, you'd be surprised. I mean, Gasparini can has done well, he this. He can try, but he yeah. won't, I don't think they'll be able to to, to pull it to off. maintain right. that for ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah. they won't be able to. Yeah, they, no. they won't be. But it's going to be interesting to see how Napoli react to this if they re- and 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 you know because they got the Champions League as well. So yeah. it's 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 an interesting week. It's an interesting week next week uh, yeah. for for Napoli uh, and for Inter. For sure. And like we said, Lazio's win has really. Oh, uh, opened up the top four race even more and it's pushed Milan out of the top no. four race because they lost to Fiorentina their little mini resurgence end they won four games in a row they kept four clean sheets we said that they've been very solid defensively throughout that game uh, throughout that run but in the first games of that had been probably a little bit disjointed a bit confused going forward but they were showing improvements game on game kind of offensively especially in the Atalanta win the game before I thought against Fiorentina, they were neither solid defensively nor were they fluid or dangerous with the ball going forward either. Um, and I think that this defeat, 2-1 defeat, was definitely a step backwards for Milan, uh, for certain. Um, maybe they had half an eye on the Tottenham game. Maybe the absence of Rafael Leal, well, I'm sure that would have played a role too. The, the absence of Brahim Diaz, I think, definitely, uh, who's been in really good form recently. But And also the, uh, Krunic. I think Krunic not being there was 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 important because he's been defensively uh very important the for them. Yeah, yeah the, the solidity that he provides in general in all phases I think Milan were very poor in this game and they deservedly mm. lost. No, I, I, I'm I'm inclined to agree with that. But I think um the you know watching this I felt like uh, and also of course Italiano's record against Pioli he, he seemed it, it, it's one of those things it's Pioli struggles against this guy. It seems like his man-man marking all over the pitch bothers him because it's it's almost like because Milan like to press high up the pitch and annoy, but here he's playing against someone who does the same thing against him, but you know far more almost more with more intensity and it just neutralizes Milan. But I think a little, I was I was kind of always if you remember last week I said I'm, I'm kind of you know watch out for for this game because Milan are lacking players, and also I was kind of expecting Milan to show a reaction to things going so well um, because I don't think that 
as much as this 3-4-2-1 is looking good and defensively they've been solid, I still think there's much area room for improvement. And I was, it, it almost felt like you know the four clean sheets was almost too good to be true at this early stage. Um, so I was kind of expecting, semi-expecting a, a, res, a, a, a reaction to that because they're not the finished product in the system. Uh, and like you said, the Tottenham game and all that. But having said that, um, look, also in, in central midfield, I think that's where it is. If you remember, I think it was last week on Monday or Thursday, I said, I, I said uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Ben Asser comes back into this. Now, obviously, he's been injured, so we don't want to, you know, he's not fully match fit and all that. And he was decent, I thought, against Fiorentina. But the balance, defensive balance, when uh, Ben Asser and Tonali play in that kind of a double pivot in a 3 4 2 1, it's not the same as when Krunic does it, because Krunic plays much more simpler football, much more. You know, he has his job, he offers defensive solidity, he helps the back three in a different way. Ben Asset is a far better footballer, far more gifted in terms of attack. But you lose something when you play, uh, defensively speaking, when you when you play Krunic uh, than, than, than when you do Ben Asset. And Tonali is struggling as well. So the central midfield is, is an issue that I think we need to... That Pioli's, that, that's what he needs. That, that's that's the question mark that he needs to answer. That's the problem he needs to resolve, is how to get into Milan's uh, central midfield to play again, to control and dominate uh, games. Because that, they've not really done that since they switched to this 3-4-2-1. No, and that's, that has been, has, was always my biggest concern of changing to the to the three-man back line. Um, something that Arrigo Sacchi said, that basically what has happened is Milan have moved from a, from a team that are progressive and take the game to the opposition, an active team, let's say, to a to a passive team. They've become a passive team now. They've become a team that want to be solid first, want to defend, and then, you know, counter-attack, basically. Uh, and I think that the department of the field that has suffered the most from that has been the centre of midfield. And that is what I'm most worried about, looking at this from a long-term point of view. You know, since even... During this four-game winning run, Milan haven't been the bosses on the pitch in the centre of midfield in terms of control. Maybe more so against At- a little bit more against Atalanta, but but not really enough. Uh, and you know they're just not winning the centre of midfield in matches. And we saw that even against Tottenham, where a game in which Tottenham created nothing, but Tottenham completely controlled and dominated that centre of midfield with two novices at centre midfield. They had Oliver Skip and 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 Saar playing at centre midfield, and they totally dominated Milan's. Milan's mid- midfielders, which I found very concerning at the time, but you know, okay, Milan were new to the formation. We, you know, they won the game. They so you know, people didn't really think too much of it. But you know, we've seen that throughout this run, and we certainly saw it in this game. Um, you know, and I want to see three centre midfielders there. Give them an extra man. Um, but I also think it is a mentality thing. You play with a three-man defence with wing backs, you're going to be more passive than progressive, uh, and this is having a, definitely having a negative effect. And like you said, Tonali, um, you know, I thought Benacer did okay considering he's been out. Um, but Tonali is not playing up to standard right now. He hasn't been for a long time. Uh, and even in that Tottenham game, he was very, very poor. Yeah. And he was way off it in this game again. And I don't know, maybe he's tired. He's played over 30 games this year. He's played more than any midfielder. Maybe he's, he's overplayed. Um, but, you know, after last season's amazing season, you know, he was so key in, in them winning the Scudetto. 
you know he's taken a he's taken a step back this season, and and, and I don't know what to feel. I don't know what to think and what to feel because I, I love think this again he's not for me. It's the Milan are a young side. I expected this reaction. They overperformed a little bit in the Serie A last season. I think most Milan fans would agree with that and say that they're, they're, this is kind of a reaction to that because there's still a work in progress. But the most important thing, and this is part of that development, um, but the most important thing here is they need to. They they need to they have to finish in the top four. Like it's it would be an absolute melt. Like I can't describe in words how dreadful and the catastrophic it would be for Milan and Inter to miss the top four. Like financially speaking, mm-hmm. uh, it's just they have to focus on getting that done. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I, I, I can't disagree with that. Um, I, I, I think they were disappointment, disappointing in all departments in this game. Um, Defence didn't have that assuredness they've had in recent games. I mean, Tamori got completely done for the penalty. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, he's still too impulsive and aggressive yeah. at times. He tries to win balls he shouldn't try to win. He did that twice in this. He did it on the... On the, the the incident that Iconi done him on the touchline, which was a great bit of skill, for, for, to to be fair, but you know sometimes you just got to stand off and be a little bit more conservative. But also he tried to try to challenge for a ball, which he could, had no chance of winning. He couldn't challenge for that ball once Iconi is in the penalty area and he's goal side of him and he's got his body between the man and the ball. Tomori just has to leave it. He just has to take his chances on Magnon, bailing out. He cannot make a challenge in that position. If he makes any kind of challenge, it's going to be a penalty. What does he do? He makes a challenge and he gives away yeah. a penalty. Yeah, this is the problem with Tomori. He's, he's, he does this too much. He yeah. tries to win balls that he, he can't win. And that's, he needs to, that's what he needs to cut out and learn. His judgment. His re- he needs to judge situations better. I think that's what the root cause is, that he... He, you know, he, he, he misreads situations, um, which when to not go for the ball and when to go for the ball. I think it's the same, situ- same problem you see aerially as well. His timing is off. I think his read is a little bit, that's where he needs to improve. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Just a, just a word on, on Fiorentina. Um, I think it was a, it was a great performance from Fiorentina yeah. and the stats show that double the shots. Uh, double on target, eleven corners to five. I mean, this is this is what Italian teams are capable of when it all comes together, yeah. uh, which hasn't been enough at all this season. Uh, but the good thing is that they are hitting form now and they are starting to score goals, which has been their big big problem this season. They've won four, drawn one of their last five. They've scored thirteen goals in that time. Uh, you know, I've said it all season. I don't think their attackers are good enough, with the exception of, of Gonzalez when he's on form and when he's fit, and he hasn't been all season. He was back to his best in this game. I thought he was fantastic. You know, even Cabral has been in good form in 2023. I think he's got about six goals. Yeah. Jovic off the bench. Iconi won the penalty with a great bit of skill, as we just said. You know, Fiorentina's attackers are doing better. That's good to see. Fiorentina's midfield, I think they've all I've always I think everybody agrees Fiorentina have have good midfielders. You know, Amrabat obviously is one. Uh, they, you know, they won the midfield battle. Dodo, though, I want to give a shout out to him because I think everybody expected more of him when he joined. And um, he's been a big disappointment this season, but he was fantastic in this game. He got the assist. Uh, and Italiano spoke about him after the game and said that the reason why he hasn't played so played well uh, in the first half of the season was because he had a bit of an injury, but also he hadn't played for months, for nine months because of the war yeah. um, and everything. So I think that, you know, that obviously 
played a part. I want, I'm interested to see if he can really now fulfil himself because I really, really liked him at Shakhtar. I thought he was a fantastic yeah. talent um, at Shakhtar. Uh, and Igor as well. I think he there's a player there in Igor. Yeah, agreed. He's, he's got monstrous physical. When he's the thing about Igor is when he when he's having a good game, you know that he's going to have a man of the match performance. Yeah. Like when he's that good, you can say because he he is a monster. He mm. he imposes himself physically on strikers, and he gets in their under the skin and in their faces. But then again, when he's having bad days, equally he can give up two penalties and be sent off. Like yeah. it's not, it's, 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 it's a little bit, you know, Jekyll and Hyde with Yeah, him he's got the raw qualities there, a bit like yeah. Tiao at Milan. The raw yeah. qualities there, it's whether they can be... Uh, yeah, and, and, yeah, and focus and, and deliver at a consistently high level. But I agree with you that there is there is talent there. No, yeah. I think it's, uh, I think Fiorentina's attacker, our attacks is good enough to be, to do what they're doing in the Conference League. If, if they get to the final of a Coppa Italia, they're playing Cremonese, that's not impossible. Um, but I do think that they should be better than eleventh. Um, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, sure. it's just not good. But they're, they're on their hitting form now, and they're not yeah. far off Europe because because seventh is actually no. I mean, if I, I mean, the, ideally, they'd win the Conference League um, mm. because I don't think they'll finish in, in a European spot. I think that's a bit too much. Well, of a Coppa big Italia ask. as well. I mean, like the exactly, they Milan, could win the Coppa Italia as well. I mean, if they were to, I don't think they will because I think they're going to play against you. It's open for them. It's not over. They've got a lot to play for. Yeah, still. they do. They're hitting form at the right time. So. And it's looking better. It's looking yeah. better than it did a couple of weeks mm. ago. And, and also good. just a shout out, the 13-minute applause for our story. That was, yeah, beautiful. That was beautiful. On the, on the, um, the anniversary. Yeah, um, okay, beautiful. just very, very quickly, we're going way over now. We're going to have to we're gonna have to start wrapping this up. Inter yeah. Lecce, I mean, quite a routine win, Nima, um, for Inter. Is there much to say about this game? No, the, the thing, that, the, the two biggest points that I, that, that I noticed that I think are the main talking points are, or three talking points. Um, it's Brozovic benched, Mikitarian plays, Mikitarian scores. Um, and now, you know, we're seeing reports in Italy that Inter are unhappy with Brozovic and they actually want to sell him in the summer. Um, and given that where he is in his age and, and that, I think maybe that relationship is coming to an end. Uh, Mikitarian has been a great signing for Inter for free. Uh, he, 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 you know, even when he's looked a little bit burnt out, you know, he, he, he has a, he has an intelligence and a technical quality that, that, that he, and, and now experienced that he knows how to like bounce back and work himself into this game. And, and he did start poorly in this game, but he worked himself into it. As for and he scored that opening goal, which was a great team move. Uh, Gorsens for me is is the probably the most biggest positive of this game. Two game first time he's played two games, two ninety minutes in a row. Even though he was taken off at like the ninety first minute for Zanotti, um, he he's starting to show what a player he can be, and he's going to be important for Inter um, f- uh, moving forward because they they're going to need they can't just play Di Marco. Um, the wing back position is such a demanding position. They need a Gorsens in good form. And he's starting to sh- starting to show the player he was that at Atalanta that Inter bought. That's a good thing. Second, the last thing is Lautaro, uh, leader, leader, pure leader, pure cap. This this is Inter's captain. Inter have had six captains after Barella was given the armband when Lautaro came off. That's 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 on the management. That's Paul because Handanovic was your captain. Well, that was you know Zagi had to bench him because Onana's levels better. So then it went to Skriniar. Skriniar situation poorly handled, taken away from him. Then it went to to Lautaro. We had Danilo D'Ambrosio captaining Inter as well this season. 
He's way past it. He's been injured. I mean, and now Barella, look, stop faffing about with the with the with the captain's arm bad. Make Bar- make Lautaro the captain. Period. He showed it as well because when when he got the assist from from Denzel Dumfries, who was being booed by the San Siro crowd because of making being Denzel Dumfries, especially in the first half. Um, what does he do? He goes up to him and he points at him to the crowd to to show to the crowd that you know. This is our player. You stand behind him. That's what a leader does. That's what a captain does. Make Lautaro Martinez the permanent captain, period. Mm. Okay. Right. Uh, rest of the Serie A calendar this weekend. Monza 2, Empoli 1, Atalanta 0, Udinese 0. Atalanta's poor form continues and their top four chances are starting to, to slip away now. Mm. Uh, then we had Spezia 0, Verona 0, Samp 0, Salernitana 0. Quite a lot of 0-0s in the, in the other matches. Uh, and then on Monday evening, we've got Sassuolo Cremonese, Torino, Bologna. Um, Champions League this week returns. Tottenham versus Milan in London. Second leg, Milan mm. leading 1-0 mm. with that last 16 tie going into the second <sighs> leg. Very, very tough. Very, very uh, open game. That tough to call, I should say. Um, it's 50-50, isn't it, really? Yeah, I mean... L- <sighs> I don't think it's 50-50. I Slightly think it's Tottenham. Slightly. Yeah. I mean, I'd say 55 Spurs, 45 Milan. I'm, if Milan have one of those days defensively where they shut shop and they decide to just close every close, freeze Tottenham out like in the first leg, then they have a chance. They have a big chance. Um, but and, and of course, Mike Mignon being back won't exactly hurt them either. Um, but I can't, like, I want Milan to be able to do this for the sake of the Serie. I would love if all teams, all Serie A teams went through, but mm. I can't shake off feeling that the more we get closer to the game, I, that's kind of swung round. It's tough. It's really tough to call. It's very tough to call. I mean, the home advantage, of course, is, gives gives Tottenham, you know, a big advantage, but... but I don't know if I play... I, I don't know. Well, let me ask you something. Would you play Benasser Krunic or would you play Tonali Krunic or would you play Benasser Tonali? I don't know because I feel like Milan have made their bed now. They almost have to play this 3 4 2 1. They're not going to So that's what I'm saying. Who, do you, who would you made, go they've with? Made, they've made their bed. They're not going to switch back to the formation I think they should play, which is a 4 3 3. They're just not going to do that. So they're going to go with a 3 4 2 1. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't I, know. I'd, I'd play Krunic in this game. And then pick. I feel like Milan have to show more personality, not more personality, more. They need to show more ambition than they showed at San Siro. I thought they were too negative in that game. Although they didn't concede anything, I think you can't play that negative and conservative away from home when the the, the, the opposition are going for the goal and are got the crowd behind them uh, and Conte back on the bench as well for his first game back. I just think that, you know, that can be, that might be too overwhelming for a team that are just. Are going to be too defensive with too um, too deep, you know. So do for that reason, do you start Venezuela, who's going to get his foot on the ball? It's going to control it a bit more, or do you go? It's, I don't know. There's 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 fours and against, and both argue, you know, arguing yeah. for and against. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's it's easy to say in hindsight after the game they should have played Krunic, yeah. they should have played Benesser. I I think that there's an argument to be made for for both. You could say go with Krunic because. They've looked. They look. They didn't look solid defensively at all. Fiorentina. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then you know this is a game they're playing against Tottenham. This is going to be the toughest game they will have played uh, in this this five game sequence. 
um, in terms of the, 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 the level of players they're playing against um, and the, the stadium they're playing in and, and everything. So it's just really, really hard to call. The good thing is Milan have their injured players back with the exception of, of Brahim Diaz, who I'm hoping will make it. I think that's really important. We didn't speak about Di Ketelé before and how bad he was. I mean, I just don't see how you can start Di Ketelé in a game like this. No, uh, no, no, no. I think that would um, be unfair on him as well. Yeah. Like th- at this point, it, it's just... I mean, Rafael Leal's back. He's had some rest. Yeah. I think he's going to be key on the count. That's going to be key. Arrested Leal. Yeah. He's somebody that can hurt them, for sure. Mm. He can certainly, he can certainly hurt them. Um, and then, you know, Giroud also came off. So he, he got a good half an hour rest as well. Um, but you've got to remember, you know, they're not they're playing against a Tottenham team who are in very, very bad shape themselves, bad form. You know, they just haven't looked right all season. This isn't mm. just a form thing for Tottenham. You know, they, they are fourth, but this hasn't looked like an Antonio Conte team. It's a not team that's once. lacking in identity. They're not progressive at all. They're totally reliant on Harry Kane. If, 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 um, if Milan can cut out Harry Kane, they've definitely got a big chance because the rest of the attackers have been really bad this season, all of them. Um so, you know, and Conte's obviously probably almost certainly leaving in the season. You know, so I think it could be who's the, the least bad, for want of better English, the least bad team maybe yeah. wins this time. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's got a feeling of that. Um, but I think it's a winnable tie for Milan. I do. Oh, it is. I, it is. It's, it's evenly balanced. But I still think it's such a tough ask of Milan. Um, yeah. But look, if Milan were to go to the quarterfinals... Of the Champions League. Oh, it'd be fantastic. It'd be fantastic. Yeah. It'd be fantastic. Yeah, no. Talking about a few absentees as well. Loris, Dyer's suspended. Ben Sakura's out. Bissouma's out. Hoiberg is back. You yeah. know, they're, they're not, you know, they've got some players missing. So yeah. it's, it's um, they've got their chances, Milan. They've got their they chances. Uh, and uh, they've got a chance. They've got a chance, but it's, it's um, it, it could go either way. Yeah, it really um, could. Okay, Europa League and Conference League. Um, so Europa League, Juventus Freiburg uh, and Roma Rio Sociedad on Thursday. Uh, Conference League, uh, Fiorentina Sivaspor and then Lazio versus AZ, which is played on Tuesday, the Lazio versus AZ game. I think we just we already we already previewed this game last week, so we won't yeah. do it again. Um, let's move on to Baggio and Prem Face of the Week. Okay, Baggio, what you got? Uh, Vecino. Vecino goal, uh, Gianluca Mancini goals. You know these uh, these two rockets were just they were outstanding, and um, for the Serie A, and and also the crowds that we've seen at the San Siro. There, the yeah, the Ast- I want to say the Astori, the Astori applause uh, was yeah. beautiful. I want yeah, to give a shout out to that. Incredibly, um, yeah. it was uh, no, it, it's uh, just. Uh, no, it, it was it was really really fantastic to see and 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 but yeah no if we're going on just on the pitch Vecino's goal is just to mm. me that is stunning. Yeah. Okay. Prem face of the week. Um, do you have one? No, you you got one. I've got one. Right. Okay. I'm gonna give him a shout out. Yeah. <laughs> so it's our Patreon Samuel Ventress, our good friend, who um, he is. I think goes by King Leo yeah. on on Twitter. And he he basically he find, is he's one, like a he's like a specialist in finding. Yes, he is. He's a one man prem face researcher. <laughs> he, he every single week he sends us a, a, a load of prem faces, and um, uh, some of them are by fans. Generally, I don't like including ones by by fans because yeah. you're always going to get people. Sometimes they're trolls as well who who, yeah, who, who say stuff for... just that don't even believe in just to wind people up, you know. Yeah. Um, so I tr- we try and stick to people that are footballers or are in the media. So the one we got this week is Keith. Hackett, 
who was uh, a referee, an English referee during the 1980s. And he tweeted out that uh, the greatest player he ever refereed in his career, better than Diego Maradona, was Kenny Dalglish. So that's our, that's our prem face of the week. I mean, was, Kenny Dalglish was a fantastic player. Like, let's not, but Maradona, like, stop, stop I it. Know. <laughs> I know, I know. Kenny Dalglish was an amazing player, world-class yeah. player. But, but yeah, I mean, that's just... just <laughs> it was also just the way that the confidence and the, the, the emphasis that he, that, that he delivered the tweet was, 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 it was just said so emphatically, like, you know, <laughs> it's Dalglish. <laughs> you know, miles better than Maradona. You know, yeah, kind of, of you course. Know. I, I wonder if, I don't even think Dalglish believes that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's so funny because most of the times the people involved don't even agree with the no. opinions. Like, no. No. there's no way that I think Sterling would say that he thinks he's better than Pele. Like, I honestly don't think that. Mm. Oh, dear. Okay, right. Let's leave it at that then. Um, we will be back uh, on Tuesday for the Q&A uh, episode. We've got loads of questions this week. We've got like 17 questions from our patrons. So thanks for that. Uh, and then we'll be back again on Thursday for a review of the, um, the, the Champions League uh, Milan-Tottenham uh, game. So, yeah, big week ahead. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great week. And uh, we'll see you on Tuesday. Ciao, ciao.